0: You are listening to the Doctors Living Deliberately podcast with Dr. Arpita Gupta de Palma and Dr. Michael Hirsch,
1: where we share the wisdom and stories of physicians who have transformed their lives by shifting from just going through the motions of day-to-day life to living with more intention, presence, and joy.
0: You will hear from physicians and those who love them about their journey and the incredible lessons they've learned along the way. Together, we can inspire each other to become Doctors Living Deliberately.
1: I'm Dr. Arpita Gupta-Dipama. I'm a pediatrician, practice owner, and CEO. A wife, a mom, and also a certified mindset coach for women, physicians, and professionals.
0: And I'm Dr. Michael Hirsch. I'm a gastroenterologist, a husband, a dad, and a certified coach for male physicians. We are so happy to have you here with us today.
1: Hey, everybody! Welcome to another episode of Doctors Living Deliberately. I am here today with my amazing co-host, Dr. Michael Hirsch, and we are gonna talk about something that he has written a couple of blog posts on and really feels passionate about because I honestly, I get where he's been. So Dr. Michael Hirsch, welcome. How are you doing?
0: Amazing co-host. I love that intro. Thank you. Always great to chat with you. And you know, without further ado, let's talk about what we're talking about. And that is kind of learning to be present in the moment. And this is one of the things that I've been super critical and judgmental about for me. Cause I just, I noticed that when my kids wanted to play with me and when there were things going on at home, maybe I could be still for a couple of moments. Maybe I could sit down and play Barbies or something like that. And then moments later, I would lose focus and my mind would go to, oh, you can't forget to do this. Oh, don't forget about the bills. Oh, make sure you write that down on the grocery list so that we remember to get that the next time we're at the store. And this was such a frustrating thing for me. I I think I was never even aware that this was an issue. And then once I noticed it, once I saw how often it was coming up for me, it became for me a big problem. And it's something that as I have coached other physicians, I see it comes up over and over and over again. For all doctors, I think because we're so used to multitasking and just always being so used to, okay, I'm doing this right now, but I can't forget all these other things. It makes me think of when I was an intern and I had a census list and we'd be talking about one patient and I'd remember, oh, I have to order labs on on this other patient. But anyway, what about you, Arpita? Is this something that you've noticed in your own life?
1: Um, Yes. (laughs) Um, I think what I would just start off by saying is you mentioned it with regards to your kids and being little and wanting to play with them, but then like immediately being sucked into something else in your brain and it doesn't end. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. I'm here to tell you that mine are teenagers. I'm almost an empty nester. And I still find myself having the same situations come up where I recognize, at least now I have the awareness that I'm not fully present for them. And and pieces of this, you know, have evolved over the years of what that looks like. And I would say most commonly now it's when I am pulled into work. And that might be on my phone or on my laptop, but it's kind of comical. The kids actually make fun of me now because they're like, oh yeah, she didn't hear a damn thing. You just said, you have to say all that over again, because it's, it's the truth. They know that they can tell from my body language or from my responses that I'm checked out. And I think what I have to just offer about that is that this is actually normal. It's part of life, you know, and, and what, what, we want to do is just start building a little bit of awareness around when we're seeing that happen and then recognizing how we want to make a change. If we want to make a change about that, about the situations and where we're checking out and not being present. And the other little thing I will say, just as a little tidbit that I give my clients a lot of times, is that how you mentioned with the kids, you know, when you're sitting there and you're playing Barbies, which I would love to see you doing that actually. But when you're playing Barbies And then you find yourself like doing all these other things. Is it also possibly because you don't really enjoy playing Barbies, right? Part of our, I think mom and dad guilt is that we want to have this quality time and be present with our kiddos, but we don't really care about the activity that we're doing with them. And so then we guilt ourselves for not being present there. Maybe that's an opportunity for us to consider other ways to be present. So I just want to throw that out there as some of the stuff that I want to have people noodle when we're thinking about how we can be our best selves.
0: Yeah, I think that's incredibly wise because you you listen to the gurus and they're like, oh, your kids are going to want to do things that you don't always want to do. And part of your job as a parent looking to spend quality time with your children is to just do the thing. And I think you're right because as my kids have transitioned maybe a little away from Barbies and a little towards the Nintendo, I find myself a lot more able to focus and pay attention as I'm, you know, playing video games that didn't exist when I was a kid. And I find them more, you know, fascinating and a lot of fun to play. So I I think that that is also really important to be aware of. And also that you get to choose, right? So, I agree with you. Probably playing Barbies is not my favorite. And I can still choose to do it because I want to, or I can decide that maybe there are other times when I don't want to.
1: Right. Right. And I think the big piece of that is guilt. Like I remember when my kiddos were little, like dreading going to the park. And I'm like, I am such a horrible mom. I don't want to go play in the park. It's hot. It's miserable. I'm sitting there watching these kids do silly things. And I don't enjoy that. And- Part of it is just being able to say, you know what, that's okay if I don't enjoy that. What's a different way that I could spend time with them where I know I'm fully present and I'm engaged because that's how I enjoy being with them. I think that's a piece of it, of course. The other piece of it is just being overwhelmed with all the things, right? Mm-hmm. And when we're multitasking by keeping these lists in our brain of all the things that we have to do and Oftentimes multitasking in the moment, let me do some laundry while I'm watching TV with them because I'm hanging out with them, but I'm also answering emails on the side. What we start to recognize is how inefficient we become when we're multitasking so much like that, right? And in the beginning, I used to think that when I multitask, I'm a badass because I'm showing how much I can get done at the same time. And it kind of showed that I was so competent of doing things. And over time, I started recognizing, maybe this is also a factor of age, how many more mistakes I was making, how much longer it was taking me to do things. And honestly, I couldn't remember what I had done. And so I'm like then going into what did I already take care of that? I don't even remember. Did I do it well? I need to go back and check. So it's essentially spending more time on stuff. So yeah, I think there's two components of it. It's, you know, the joy in being present as well as the cons of being multitasking at the same time.
0: Yeah. And so before coaching, you know, I first of all always, not just before coaching. I've always been kind of a list maker and all the things that I need to get done. And I've tried to transition into electronic lists, but I'll be honest with you, up until about a year ago, I was a pen and paper with my to-do list and every week I would rewrite the list. And it was my impression that the to-do list made me more productive. What I found was I would just make this to-do list. It would incredibly long, things that I knew I was not going to get done that week were on the list. And I never actually planned out when I was going to get any of this stuff done. And so when I brought some of these issues to coaching, and it was like, of course, you can't be present in the moment because you have this Incredibly long to do list of things that you have not figured out when you're going to get them all done. So the moment you sit down to do something else, your mind goes to that to do list. And yeah. just all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I can't do this because I have all of those other things to be doing. And, you know, there's a quote by Eckhart Tolle that is realize deeply that the present moment is all you ever have. And when I kind of put these things together that I couldn't live in the present moment, when my mind kept going to that extremely long to-do list of all of the other things that needed to get done, that was when I decided things needed to change. And when I decided to put some different practices into place so that I could be more effective and have more you know, time with my kids when I could be fully present.
1: I think a piece of it is also recognizing that as we say with almost every area is that we're not going to be perfect with this, right? I When we got on the call today, before we started, we were chit-chatting ahead of time. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of comical because I'm so not present right now, right? And I was like, actually, that's what I'm going to talk about, like how I've become aware. I'm just simply aware of the fact that I'm not present with my kids. My daughter just came home from college a couple days ago and we're sitting here, we're interacting. And, you know, my plan was yesterday, I had nothing on my calendar intentionally so that I could be out there with her and just hanging out, catching up. And inevitably I was out there with my laptop. I was working and, you know, I realize, you know, this is not what you had planned. This is not you being present and intentional. And right now you've got things that are overwhelming you that you have to do. And so giving ourselves grace, when we recognize that, just having the awareness that we're not present right now, maybe I can plan intentionally for when I can show up that way, because we might plan, but life also happens. And that's what keeps us from necessarily always being there. So yeah, right now I'm not very present. And that's okay. And present for you, though.
0: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, and ain't that the truth? You know, we make plans and then life happens, right? And so do you have any tools that you specifically use to help you be more present? Like, I know you were saying right now, accepting that life happens and that we are humans and that you can't control everything. But how do you, like, what do you put into place to help you on a more typical basis be more present.
1: So I have a Thursday timeout, like planning program that I do for myself. And I literally will plan out my week on Thursday nights for the following week. And I do that intentionally because I get my groceries Friday morning. So literally to the point of what nights I can cook meals, what type of meal, et cetera, et cetera. But that allows me to plot out my week for the following week. And I do still have paper lists. Like here's my list. Right. So I'm my computer planner where I can put things in that are bigger projects long term down the road. So I know everything has a place, as you mentioned. Then I have a weekly planner that's handwritten and I do that on Thursday night intentionally. So it's fresh in my mind for what's coming up next week. And I think the biggest piece of that is being realistic, right? Giving yourself realistic time frames. Am I really going to be able to get the kids to school and back and then get to work within 20 minutes before I start my cases? or is it really going to be more like 45, 50, you know? So being realistic. So you're not setting yourself up for failure, but I do that. And I intentionally build in first the me time. So every morning before I get ready and get out the door, I do my meditation. You know, there are things that I build in. So we talked about vacations, I think in a different episode, every time I have a vacation, the day after the vacation, I always make it. So there's no set meetings so I can catch up. So I'm able to be present and not feeling pulled in so many different directions. And so when situations like the other day come up where I was supposed to be present with my daughter after coming home from college and it doesn't happen, I know that this week when I plan again, I'm going to try again, right? It's not that it's forever lost, right? Giving yourselves grace to realize, you know what? These kids are little and I want to spend time with them. And I kind of screwed it up last week, even though I planned, that's okay. No harm done. I can still do it. Right. Yeah. So I think these are kind of some of the things I do. But the calendaring is a big, big tool for that.
0: For sure. And so, in speaking to the calendaring and going a little bit deeper on that, so still, as I was mentioning, to do lists are kind of an integral part of how I run my life. And I now have multiple to do lists. I've got the to do list for what I want to get done in any particular week. And then I keep a separate to-do list for longer-term projects and goals so that when I'm building my week, I can always look to the other list and say, does any of this need to get done? Or do I have time to do this stuff? Or what is my time horizon for getting this done? And then you were speaking a little bit to how you prioritize self-care first thing in the morning. And I think that gets to the second piece of the to-do list, which is creating some priorities, and then figuring out what gets scheduled, what needs to get done. And we'll link to this in the show notes. One really helpful tool is something called an Eisenhower box. And I think James Clear has a really good diagram of this online. And so we'll link to that in the show notes. And what the Eisenhower box does is it splits things up into four quadrants in terms of urgent versus non-urgent tasks, and then important versus not important. And then you have your to-do list and you prioritize things based on what is urgent and important. Those are the first things. And then what is non-urgent but important goes in the second box. What is urgent but not important goes in the third box. And what is non-urgent and unimportant goes in the fourth box. And here's what I'm going to tell you about that non-urgent and non-important box. That's the stuff that doesn't get done, right? Like that's the stuff. If it's non-urgent and not important, you just forget about it. And the other kind of interesting thing is that that urgent but not important quadrant, like that's the stuff that you can try to find somebody to delegate to. Is this something that I can have somebody else do for me? So you and I both utilize virtual assistants that are incredibly helpful and in helping us get all of the things done. That is what gives me more than 24 hours in a day is asking other people for help. So that is super helpful for that. And then going back to your list, what is urgent and important? Those are the first things that go in, right? Right. Things that absolutely need to get done. You make sure that you find the time to get that stuff done. And then non-urgent but important. This is the self-care that you're talking about. This is playing with my kids. This is exercise. You want to make sure that you are making time for all of this stuff as well. And so you want to find stuff on your calendar for all of the stuff that is important And by going through this exercise and making sure that your priorities are in line with your time, that is how, that is the first step towards being more present. Because once you know that everything is taken care of, once you know that you've accounted for all the things, then when you sit down to play with your kids, you know, you're meant to be there.
1: Yeah. I think the trap people fall into is distinguishing the difference between the urgent and the important, right? And I think. Our devices are a great example again, right? When we get a text, we feel that we have this urgency that we have to respond. We have to stop what we're doing and answer the phone. We have to stop what we're doing and reply to that text. But that's a false sense of urgency in most cases, right? The information that came to us that we need to respond to might be important, but it's not necessarily urgent. And what happens is it interrupts us from what we're doing and it takes us out of that moment to be able to respond to it. And then it takes us twice as long to get back to what we were doing and get back on track. And so my mind was blown when I did this, I went on this wellness healing trip a couple of years ago and it was a device-free resort. And that was my first experience of not having a phone actually dinging and my watch not actually dinging. And I didn't realize how freaking distracted that thing made me. Right. So When I came home, I said, my mission here is to just continue with that. So I did not, since that day, I've not turned on my audible alerts on my phone. And that has been such a game changer. Like I don't see my phone unless I'm actually trying to look at it. It's aside, And when I'm done doing my task, I will go and check it and respond accordingly. We just don't even realize how much we confuse urgent versus important when we have these day-to-day things pulling our attention in life each day. I would encourage you guys just to try even for a day, just see what would happen. And at the end of the day, when you look at your messages, look at what was really, really important that needed to be responded to versus urgent emergencies. Somebody's dying. And I guarantee you most of them are important. And when you responded to them, it was just fine when they
0: happened. Yeah, that do not disturb. And the focus features on your phone are game changers and underutilized for sure. You know, when I am seeing patients in the office, I leave my phone on my desk so that it doesn't bother me while I'm seeing patients. And I've always done that, but it took yep. me forever to realize I can do that at home too. I can, there's this just neat little button that you can just press and then you can be focused on what you want to be focused on. And truly a game changer. I use do not disturb and those focus functions all the time.
1: I mean, think about it. I think part of our concern is what is the person who's sending us the text going to think if I don't respond right away, right? And so I think, A, people are kind of oblivious to the fact, especially I I know with physicians. I don't know any physician who doesn't leave their phone in their office while they're seeing the patients, right? And so even employees and coworkers or colleagues or friends may not recognize that, that we're doing that. And quite frankly, it's okay. We want to teach them. We're going to a different area here. We want to teach them about the boundaries, right? You can send me a text during the day, but I likely will not be able to respond till later. So when we start putting this kind of idea in the world that this is how we're going to live, these are the rules that I have. It's all fine. It's going to work out. There's no urgency. And if something is urgent where somebody is injured or hurt, or it's truly an emergency, they're going to find you. They're going to find you. I can go on a tangent about my son when he fractured his elbow about this, how they found me because I didn't have my phone on me. But when it's urgent, you will be found for sure.
0: A hundred percent for sure. I would say the other thing that really comes up for people is when we talk about calendaring, when we talk about making time for things, the most common response I get from people is, well, how am I supposed to know how long this stuff is going to take? And, you know, there is Parkinson's law, which is also something that I've learned over the last couple of years, which is essentially that things will take as long as you give them. So if you can constrain yourself, if you can put something on your calendar and give yourself a certain amount of time to do it, in all likelihood, you're either going to get it done in that time or get pretty close. And this is part of the learning process, right? You will learn as you put things on your calendar how long they're going to take so that you can calendar appropriately. And just because you don't know how long something is going to take, shouldn't be an excuse to not try it. Because again, this can be a real game changer just in terms of productivity, again, being more present, all the things.
1: Totally. Yep. It's how much leniency you want to give yourself versus how strict you want to be with how much time you're giving yourself to complete the task, because like you said, if we give ourselves three days to reorganize the fridge, it will take three days, right?
0: <laughs> but anyway, three days what- to reorganize a fridge—I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know is- what your refrigerator looks like. <laughs>
1: it's kind of messy, but no, it's fine. But oh man,
0: yeah. I mean, I think the other thing that we just need to be realistic about is that neither one of us is perfect about this. As you were alluding to at the beginning of the episode, you know, you are kind of in it right now. And you had this experience recently with, you know, with your kids. And this happens for me still all the time. And the key is not being perfect about this. The key is just being aware and not judging yourself when things don't work out, when you're not present, when you're not able to show up in the way that you want be curious about it why didn't it work out this time and what can i do the next time to be more effective so that when your kids say daddy or mommy you know can we play that you get to show up fully present in that moment and be there with them because you know that truly is the important stuff and you want to make time for that yeah. for sure
1: yeah and just remembering that being present might look different for you then different from them, then different from the other person, right? You get to pick what brings you joy when you're being present. And it doesn't have to be the cookie cutter that everybody expects, quote, quote. Well, awesome. It was good talking to you about this today. Thanks. I know this is a, like I said, a guilt ridden area sometimes. So just do your best and your best is good enough. And you know, in your heart, what you're wanting. Any final words for our listeners?
0: No, I, I mean, I think as we have talked about so many times before, the first step is just being aware. And even if you don't do any of the other things that we talked about in this episode, even if you know you hear the word, when we say the word calendaring, you hear budget and you just get completely turned off by that idea, that you just recognize that being aware of what you want is the first step in getting it. And I think we've talked about this before, and no doubt we will come back to it again.
1: Yes. I think I see a time management episode coming down the pike just from this. (laughs) For
0: sure. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Well, thanks. You take care, Michael.
0: Great seeing you as always. And we'll see everybody on the next episode of Doctors Living Deliberately. Bye.
1: Bye. Hi there. I hope you enjoyed our episode today with Dr. Hirsch talking about being present. It really is so easy to get caught up in the rat race of day-to-day life while just going through the motions and not really enjoying the moments. We have to make a little extra effort to be intentional in what we allow into our lives and what we want to cultivate. We all have just this one precious life to live and we all want for our lives to be intentional, joyful, and authentic. So why not consider making a change for yourself now that will empower you to do just that? My fall group coaching cohorts are starting in just a few short weeks, and you still have time to sign up. Click on the link in the show notes below to learn about my group coaching program and how to register. And remember, that 10% off promo ends on September 6th. That's less than a week from now, so make sure to sign up soon. I can't wait to be your guide and start this journey of transformation
0: with you. See you there. If you enjoyed our show, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Share us with a friend or colleague who could also benefit and enjoy our discussions. If you really liked what you heard, please leave us a rating and a review. Positive reviews help us to get this show in front of other doctors who need to hear it.
1: And if you want to learn more about our coaching programs and course offerings, check out the links in the show notes to our websites and social media. From there, feel free to reach out to learn more about investing in yourself through one-to-one coaching so you can start living deliberately.
0: To learn more about Dr. Arpita Gupta De Palma and her coaching programs, check out her website at www.thoughtworkmd.com.
1: And if you want to know more about Dr. Michael Hirsch, check out his website at www.betterphysicianlife.com. Thanks so much for listening in.
0: This show is for general educational and entertainment purposes only. Life coaching is not a substitute for therapy or medical treatment.